We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Deus. At Nick Deus 10, as you can find me, all things Veterans Minimum, veteransminimum.com. My guest, a fellow New Yorker, right? Yep. Right away, we already connect. We already hit it off. But also, dude, it was perfect timing because I didn't know this until we were DMing yesterday that you're a Cowboys fan. Diehard. It's perfect. Proud, diehard Cowboys fan. Jason Griggs in the building. What's good, bro? Let's go, man. This is so cool. This is moving up, man. This is like mind blowing. I go on a lot of podcasts, but this is the coolest one I've ever been on. Let's go. By far. Let's go. I went on Bradley. Did Bradley. Yeah, I peeped that. Yeah, I did Bradley. How'd that come about? He uh, helped me build out a business program for my real estate stuff. So I got to do a little thing with him. It's really cool. But this is nothing like this. Yeah, I saw him at UFC, the last UFC that was here in December. He was sitting in the same row as me. And uh, I was like, yo, you know, you know when you're going to leave to go and get your drinks and whatnot, I come back. And then I kind of just like, I was already like nine or ten beers in. I was just like, <laughs> oh, shit, Bradley. I fist bumped him. And then just like went around, went about my day. Just, you know. Yeah. It's kind of how like I like doing interactions too. Not asking he's not him. a New Yorker. I'll say that. He's like a straight narrow dude. Like not too much of a vibe off him. Very like… I don't know. Not hard to talk to, but just like… I don't know. It's different. Yeah. He's just strict business. Yeah, I see what you're saying. You can tell like right away when someone's a New Yorker too. It's just that that vibe and the energy is completely different. Yeah, we're just… We're different breeds, man. We just know how to do it. Yo, so how how long have you been out in Vegas? This is my 13th year. Damn. Yeah, survived. Survived the city. Ever plan on leaving? No. I love it here, man. Dude, I feel the same way. I feel the same way. You know what's funny? I so I was a teacher, okay, and I was visiting my best friend uh, Tommy, uh, my next door neighbor in Belmore, and he was going to UNLV, and I kept coming out to visit him, and he was like doing the independent hosting, taking out some athletes. I was like, this is the greatest place ever. I was twenty, and as soon as I graduated college, I'm like, I'm moving to Vegas. Let's go. 
And everything was like collapsed here. It was like the economy was awful. But I taught for a year and I just, I'm addicted to it. Like, it's just so much fun. Bro, I feel the same way. I came out here. I've been coming out here since 2012. It was the first time I came out here. I was 21. I just turned 21. So that summer I came out here. And then ever since then, I was coming out here once or twice a year until COVID hit. And how we got connected was through uh, our buddy Chris. Our buddy Chris Morhan. He's Chris, the best. Yeah, he's been on the show too. He came on and we were talking about the Vegas flu. Right? Because I was so, <laughs> a couple, so a couple years ago when the Knights first came, came about, I used to do the show with five other guys. Right? And we had a segment on the show called Spitball. And that was like a rapid fire, around the horn kind of like, to, to use the rap analogy, like three, four bars on a talking point that we're not going to spend much attention on, right? Okay. So mine was, because, you know, I'm a degenerate gambler and I love betting. It was like, yo, the Vegas flu. I was like, I don't know what's happening, but they're like 28 and one at home. <laughs> that first year. And oh, the I, first year, yeah. The first year, they yeah. were, I think, I think they lost three games in the regular season. I was like, yo, I don't know what's happening, but… The, the money line started like minus 120. And then by the end of it, it's like minus 350. Like the books were catching on yeah. too. So Chris came on the show and he was telling me all these stories. Like, dude, you, you know, it'd be like Thursday morning and just pick a team. Like the Avalanche are in town. And he's like, you'd see like the goalie. And, yeah, they're and, out. And, yeah, they're out. They're out at seven in the morning. He's like, yo, money line the other team. Yeah. I, I actually got to become good friends with Tuck with the, on the Golden Knights. And… Like, when we first met him, like, the season started. And those guys, like, really took it seriously. Like, they wanted to win, like, bad. Because they were all, like, the rejects of right, every right, other right. team. So, they took it, like, you could just tell, like, being around those guys a little bit. They were dead serious. Like, they wanted to prove a point. They wanted to win. And, like, really take the city by charge. And they did that. Like, they blew everything away in the first year. It was awesome. Hell yeah, man. They were, like, 500 to 1. I think they had the worst odds of any team. To, to win the Stanley Cup that year. They ended up not winning. But still, just to be a, your yeah. inaugural season to go all the way to the Cup was wild. And for me, having Chris on, so like my audience is a little familiar with Chris. That's how we connected. And it was perfect because we had scheduled this, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And then I got hyped, dude, when I found out you were a Cowboys fan because I've been slandering Dallas <laughs> for, for like 18 months. And I, I try to preface this all the time. The team I hate the most in my life, I'm 31 years old, is the Eagles. Like, okay. to me, I don't have a hatred for the Cowboys. I hate Cowboys fans more than I hate the team. Right. Like, some of them back home in New York, they're, they're pretty annoying. But for the most part, the team that has broken my heart the most is Philly. Ironically enough, Giants are playing them right. now. So, it's like that hatred's only going to go up, right? It's not going to lessen. And I've been slandering Dallas because I just feel like year in, year out, when it's a big spot, they don't perform. And then having you come on. I'm someone… I want the smoke too, man. Like, I don't want someone to just… Well, I can't… I can't talk that much shit. Because we haven't done anything yet. And we're going into San Fran. And they're just a mega… Like, they scare me, that team. I, I don't know if we're going to win. Like, I really don't. Like, you're looking at the matchup. And, like, Shanahan coaches, like, angry. Like, he's like, I'm putting 50 on you. Like, get out of the way type deal. And even with the court… Even with Purdy, like, they're dangerous as hell. So I, I'm not. We we get through them. I'll, I'll get a little more excited, but like we're nowhere near the end. But what about someone like me that was saying they're doing the first round bounce again? I mean, like, look, we kind of deserve it. Like, like we. It's funny. Like the team that I hate the most is the Jets. 
And oh, okay. I hate the Jets. Like, I don't mind the NFC East teams. They don't bother. The Jets. <laughs> Jeremiah. I hate the Jets. Jets fan. I think they're the dumbest franchise ever <laughs> of all time. Like, they always screw it up. But, like, the Jets fans are just so unrealistic. And, like, they talk shit. Like, yeah. they, like, like they are the, like, we're going to always do good. And I'm like, dude, you have no chance. So, like, they bother me more than the Giants or the Eagles. Yeah. Like, that's interesting. Because, yeah. like, you know, I, I get it. I get it. I don't have an issue with Jet fans. Because, for the most part, it's, it's not like the Subway Series in baseball where the Mets and Yankees, they kind of play each other every right. year, four games. And it's usually, like, around the time when… When baseball really starts to mean something, it's like towards the tail end in the season. But like the Jets and the Giants, they share the same venue, but they're not exactly playing each other in a regular season no. game. They play once every four years. So they're just like comedy hour. That, that, that team. I like, I don't know. I love teasing them a little bit, but it's just like to the point where it's like, how can you not figure this out? It's been so long. They just always screw it up. Like they could have had Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. They were this close. Like, yeah, could you they, imagine you get that guy? Like, I don't know. It's just comical to me that they always just do something that's like the Jets fans. So I want to I want to start off with that with that Bucks and Dallas game just to okay. go back just a little bit. Dude, I think that was the best game I've ever seen Dak play. Yeah. Like not even close. And then I started thinking before this show with with Jeremiah and there we were just talking about Dak and that performance and he he kind of agreed. He's like, "Yeah, man, I can't think of another game that he had where he played at that level." And then the only one I could think of was the last time we played Tampa Bay in Tampa. Yeah. Last year's regular season opener where it came down to a field goal at the end. And you heard all the narratives coming in of Dallas is like, you know, 3-13 and 13, the last 16 games they played on grass. It doesn't benefit them. You had Hicks and Vita Vea with, with Tampa Bay. They were 7-2 and two this yeah. year when those guys were playing. And then the game starts off, and I'm feeling like, ah, oh, same old Dallas, three and out. That can't, you can't even throw a swing pass. I, to said, I said to my brother, I'm like, this is an automatic three and out. He's like, you're crazy. Three and out. I'm like, like, you could just tell, like, you know, your team, you just know that. You just know. But yeah. like, I bet the under last night because the game went, it, it like wasn't how I thought it was going to go. I thought we were going to pound the ball. Like, I thought like 15 carries each with Zeke and, and Pollard, and it was the opposite of that. They just let that go. They like freed him. Yeah, but he had a lot of help with his the D played insane, ridiculous. And, yeah. and when and when your D plays insane, like your confidence level is through the roof. You could just tell, like you that deep ball, just like out of nowhere. Like he doesn't let that go, like just confidently. And so, uh, if we're gonna play safe, Fred, we gotta run the ball. Like we gotta mix that in. But and our D has to play insane. Yeah, Michael Parsons was all over the place, and he was the first time that they played Tampa too. When they played him in the regular season, I remember he, they settled for so many field goals in the red zone, Tampa Bay. And I yeah. think a lot of that was because third and goal, Parsons was just getting to Brady or coming up with a sack. It's like, dude, Tampa should have gotten their ship punched in in week one. Yep. I know this is four months ago, but it's like, that's the kind of impact that Parsons had. And they said that he had nine pressures, led the team, and Brady was two and eight. And sacked twice on his pressures. I mean, he, he just gets through and disrupts everything. Like, if you watch my uncle, my uncle Brian Baldinger, he's got the best breakdowns of him. Like, you could just see, even the place he doesn't even touch the quarterback, like, he's taking three linemen yeah. with him. And it just disrupts the whole play. Like, the first play of the game, he's, like, in the backfield before the freaking ball's even out. It's crazy. He's the best. I think he's the best player right now in football. Top three. 
Yeah, defensively, yeah. It, I, I was singing his praises from the beginning of the year, how I think he's the best defensive player in the league. And people were arguing with me at the time about Aaron Donald. But I was like, dude, I think the versatility. Like, he's covering... I saw him cover Saquon Barkley out the backfield. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he's rushing Daniel Jones. And then he's chasing down Daniel Jones. And then he's guarding a tight end. It's like, yo, his versatility inside, outside, it's so wild that no other player is as valuable as him on the defensive side of the ball. And he's just an absolute game wrecker. And I know Nick Bosa, which is going to be dope because the Niners and the Cowboys playing this week, the history of it is yeah, wild, right? Like, you know, they're going to show the catch yep. 120 <laughs> times. They're going to show that shit all the time. Yep. And then you just have, like, the aura of those two franchises. They're the two best NFC franchises of all time, if you look at it. Like, the amount of Super Bowls they've been to. It's, it's the most in the NFC, and they've also won a combination of the, the yeah, most. Yeah, just the history between—I'm just fired up, man. I just love watching the 49ers. Like, it's a beautiful football. They run the ball. They screen the ball. They hit the check down. You got Kittle. You got Debo. It's like their options are just, like, endless. And they're doing it with, like, a, a rookie quarterback who just comes out of nowhere. And it's just amazing. Like, you don't need that $150 million quarterback. Like, if you have the right system, which Shanahan has in a sick defense— like, you could get it done. So, I don't know. It's a tough matchup for the Cowboys for sure. Well, you're right about the 150 mark because that's a question that the Giants are going to have to answer with Daniel Jones. Yeah. But also, if you look at it, the remaining eight quarterbacks in the NFL playoffs right now, they're ages. 23, 23, 24, 25, 26, 26, 27, Dak 29, the old head, right? And then the young bucks, Trevor Lawrence and Brock Purdy, 23 years old. But five of the eight, Jason? Rookie contracts, right? Bro. Yeah, they're gonna get paid. They're gonna get paid, but this is this is and and I, I've been talking about this for years. Like the rookie quarterback contract is, and also you want him not to be trash, right? Like right. you want you want your rookie quarterback to be a Joe Burrow, a yeah. Trevor Lawrence. But he's a hidden gem. Like I compare Brock Purdy to kind of Dak, his rookie year. He came out of nowhere, That's, right? You know, and he went on that run. That's what this kid's doing. And it's great for the 49ers. I mean, their cap's a little high, but now they get this nice, easy guy. They could trade Lance if they want. They could trade Garoppolo. They could let him, like, they have so many options and then just bulk up the rest of their team. What do you, what do you think they do with that? Or do you think you got you to gotta wait it out, though, right? No, I, well, I think oh, you even think if he loses this week, I think he's your guy. Why not? Wow. You could keep Garoppolo. I would trade Lance. He's just, I mean, you gave him a few tries. And, He's just expensive, too. He's going to be super expensive. Man, I don't know if I agree with that. I think you need to see how it plays out. Like, if he could get them to the Super Bowl, I think it'd be difficult for you to just be like, yo, step aside. But do you see, you watch that team. They love this guy. They do. They love him. Yeah. You can just tell. No ego. Goes out there, slings it. He's good. They also protect him, though. Ve yeah, I mean, and, not, not, and, and, and they run the ball. Yeah, and I'm not saying, like, protection standpoint, which they do have one of the best offensive lines also, but... It's very like, bro, don't fuck this up. But, but <laughs> Which is great, uh, was, too. Um, I think it was Skip who was like, he's like, this guy just throws the ball. Like, doesn't care. Like, it's tight. And you could see the windows he's throwing. He doesn't care. Like, he's not nervous. And I think he's going to go, he's going to have a good game against the Cowboys because their secondary isn't strong. But we'll see how he does with the pressure. But he's got good players around him. And that's okay. Like, you can't down downgrade the guy because he's got a good team. Yeah. You know, so we'll see. Yeah, they're, they're fascinating, man. I think they're the most interesting team that I can remember because when I was watching them play the Seahawks over the weekend, I was at a 49ers bar, and 
there was one Seahawks fan in there. Because there's always that one guy, right? Yeah, yeah. That's just a piece of right. shit. And like, yo, bro, <laughs> you're by yourself, dude. You're outnumbered. Like, right. it doesn't matter how it's tough you are, right? Show, right? Yeah, yeah. But a couple of things were interesting about the 49ers. And what I'm concerned about with them is he had 19 pass attempts in the first half. Kind of wild. Mm -hmm. Because also that game was, they were up. It wasn't like they were, they were down 17 and he had to throw back. I think that is concerning. You want him to live in like that 25 to 30, and that might even be a little high. But I think the most fascinating thing, Jason, about them was, dude, they, there was one drive that they scored a touchdown, and they made no substitutions. Like, yeah. they, they can they run. They exploded. They can run. Yeah, they're very explosive, but they could run the same personnel. <laughs> like, they'll put out Juszczyk, Ayuk, Debo, CMC, and, and Kittle. And... CMC and Mitchell, you know, like he has a long run. They'll do the helmet tap to switch. But besides that, it's like they don't need to bring in a big package. Nope. They could go five wide with them. They could go dual running back. They could put CMC out wide, yeah. ISO. They could put Debo in the backfield. They even had IU coming around on jet sweeps. And I was thinking, I, I can't think of a team that's been that versatile offensively. There, I think there was two plays that blew me away where… I. One where he hit the check down for a touchdown. Like, you could see he he missed four progressions. Yeah, he went. Look, he was like, okay, I got enough time. Back. All right, I'll roll out. Oh, here's somebody who's wide open. Yeah. And then I'm like, there was a few drives. Like, McCaffrey, like, was not involved. Yeah. At all. Didn't even use him. Like, didn't even need him. And, like, they're just still, like, punishing the ball down the field. Uh, they're scary, man. They're, they're scarier than the Eagles. They're the scariest team in football right now. Can I give you a take? Yeah. I think the winner of that game goes to the Super Bowl. I do too. I, I took the 49ers to win the Super Bowl, six to one. Oh man. I took it. I say oh man, because I bet the 49ers at eight to one when the week Jimmy G goes down. So like yeah. that Thursday, back home in New York. And back home in New York, uh I had my dad put the bet in and you could cash out your bets. No. So he <laughs> go he goes down and I put two hundred dollars on it. I'm like, Fuck, man. He goes down. Ended up being like, the cash out was like 177. I was like, fuck it, man. Let me just take out the money. So you I'm like, yo, it's, I'm like, yo, it's, it's, so this, this is plus 850, right? I take out the money. I'm like, ah, you know, it's a $23 loss, whatever. We've lost more. It doesn't matter. Right. That week, 19 to 1, 49ers. Oh. And I'm looking at it, dude. I'm like, cause I love futures. I'm I a love big, them. Yeah. I'm a, I'm, I've been obsessed with them for a bit, but this year I went a little bit. I hit the, the Astros this year, but keep going. Yeah, I would say the majority of my bankroll is always on futures. Like yeah, I like because you can hedge it out. It's great. You can hedge it out, and also like I like that long term investment of you know you put a little bit and you can get a lot like later down yeah. the road. And and I'm looking at I'm looking at nineteen to one. I'm looking and I'm like, I love everything, but yo, it's a third quarterback, and then the playoffs start plus four hundred. I'm like, I, oh, bro, I don't even know if they need a quarterback. I could have had nineteen to one, awesome. bro. I could have had nineteen to one. And I was looking, I'm like, yo. Best D-line, great O-line, best collection of weapons. They just got McCaffrey. McCaffrey in that system. And, and everything I'm saying is like, bet it, bet it, bet yeah. it. And then I'm like, Purdy, bro. Purdy. Bro, I'll, I'll bet anything at 2-1. to one. You give me 5-1, to 6-1, to one, I'm <laughs> throwing. You know, whatever. Like, I'll, I'll throw, a, throw on it. But I love futures, too. It's, such a, it's just a fun thing to root for. I hit, I hit the Astros 5-1 to one for small. I, I, I took the Bills this year. Uh, I have six to one on the Bills and, and five and a half to one on the 49ers. Okay. So if they make it, you know, they It'll play nice, each other, nice a, it would be an awesome Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. 
The one thing that I was worried about with San Francisco, and especially if Dak shows up and plays the way he does, is how wide open some of those receivers on Seattle got. Like, yeah. and I know it's DK and Lockett. Like, you know, they're they're probably a top five duo in the league, I would say. But DK was open a couple of times and like wide open too. Yeah, like walk in touchdowns. And I think you could get Gallup over the top. You could get CD. There, there's ways that you could exploit them, and that would be my main concern for San Francisco. But again, it's was was that how Dallas is going to play every week? If that is how Dallas plays every week, I feel a lot different about him. I think you're missing a big point of this game. I, I just think Shanahan's a better coach than, than McCarthy. Like, we do some dumb stuff. Yeah. As a Cowboy fan, you're like, hello? Like, what are you doing? Like, we just do… We, our time management, clock management is not the best in big spots. We just don't do the right thing. We don't stay in bounds. And we do some silly stuff. But… I do think there's going to be a lot of points scored, but we'll see. Like the running game, like sometimes Kellen Moore gets he gets away from the run. Like we have Pollard, he's really good. Our line's healthy finally. Like run the ball, possession, and slow it down a little bit. Like if we run a gun with this team, I think we're in big trouble because our secondary cannot handle these guys. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I just remember that they played each other last year in the playoffs too. Yeah, well, we got dropped. Yeah. And that was, uh, like you said, the clock management and all the time management stuff always with them. I I, got to get this off my chest because it happened yesterday. We we got a delay game. I think it was in the first quarter. And I I tweeted this yesterday. If you're an NFL coach, you have to run the 40. Because I need a coach who could run down the freaking sideline and call a timeout. You see McCarthy, he takes two steps and and then he just gave up. He's like, I got to take the delay game. Like, you watch Mike McDaniel. Like, I sprinting yeah, to the ref, yeah. the Bills coach. And, like, I'm like, this guy can't run to the ref to call a timeout. It's crazy. So, I'm like, <laughs> if you're an NFL coach, we got to get you yeah, sub, sub, <laughs> sub five on the 40. Dude, start calling timeouts. I don't know how I feel about that because my guy Brian Dable, I don't know what kind of 40 oh, he's putting man. up. but <laughs> I, I like him, man. And he won me a lot of money. I'll tell you that story in a minute. He's awesome. Yeah. He's a player's coach. Like, yeah. you could just tell. And, yo, you know what the craziest thing about him is? You're right on the players, coach. And I've been joking around. Like, Kenny Galladay has become a meme at this point. Yeah. Like, it's, it's been a nightmare ever since he's gone there. And anything he does, it's like, against the Eagles, he scores his first touchdown with the Giants. It's like, that's what $72 million gets you, right? Yep. And I was kidding when I was watching the game. I tweeted out, like, that was a $72 million block that he had on one of Saquon's runs where he just bulldozed the corner, put him on yep. his ass. And I know then, exactly like, what you're talking about, yeah. And and Saquon even turns to him. He's like, that's what I'm talking about, yeah. bro. And they get back in the huddle. I think a lot of that has to do with Dable. All right. So from an outside Giants fan looking in, I, it's what either one of two things. Like, he got them fired up this year. Or, like, Saquon and Daniel Jones just got sick of, like, losing. And that happens, too, sometimes. Where guys are just like, I'm done losing. Yeah. Like, like we have to just do this. And I think, you know, the mixture of that together… It's awesome. It's good for New York. Yeah, and also both of them are trying to get pup 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 yeah. aid because mm-hmm. no fifth year option on Daniel Jones didn't get picked up, and Saquon it's it's going to be year five for him coming yeah. up this offseason. and this is always after that fourth season for the running back if they haven't gotten paid yet, and he's had some injury history that has not always gone on his side, but that's what happens. Like in between that fourth and fifth year is when a, a running back is going to say, "Yo, I'm I'm going to sit out." You, I get paid. What would you do? Dude, I am the most hypocritical of all my sports takes when it comes to the running back. Because… Okay. He's a fan favorite. 
He's a fan favorite. He's a hell of a player. Get your money. I'm pro player getting his money by any means. However, me personally, I would never pay a running back. Okay. I just think you can find guys later in the draft that could come in. How many fantasy leagues have you been a part of <laughs> yeah. where your starting running back goes down and you pick up the backup and they're dropping 20 points a game? It's a position that it's very easy to find a guy to put up that kind of production. It's like the the fan favorite. Like Zeke, you know, we paid him. Yeah. You know, he's not worth the money. But. And, and then that, that was a trickle-down of, uh, effect of you lose Lyle Collins in free agency. You lose another offensive lineman. Yeah. You lose Byron Jones in free agency, right? You, you start losing these guys because you're paying your money out. And you just look at the history of it. Running backs don't really perform well after they get paid. It's very, very know, hard. But you look at McCaffrey and you're like, this guy's a spring chicken all of a sudden. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I also think McCaffrey falls into this group of guys that are tired of losing. Yep. You don't think an athlete goes from, oh, bro, I got to go out there and get 25 carries to, to go 4-13? and 13? Yeah, it's Now it's like, oh, shit, I wake up, I'm on San Fran. It's the best team I've ever been on. And I got a chance to win a Super Bowl? Yeah, I might yeah. have a little pep in my step. Yep. I made this analogy way back when the Astros got Justin Verlander. And I'm not the biggest baseball fan. I, I follow the Mets. I can tell you about the Mets. I can't tell you about, like, the Padres or the mm -hmm. Dodgers. But I remember just Justin Verlander is such a household name, and he's such an iconic player of this generation. And I was like, dude, when he went to the Astros, I was like, yo, this is going to be a big pickup. And all my boys on the show were like, nah, bro, is ERA? I was like, bro, fuck all that. Playing on Detroit, they win 60 games a year. Now he's going to Houston. He's going to be... Yeah, he's going to be fired up. Yeah, he's going to be fired up. And then what happens? Cy Young's yeah. World Series. The Mets just paid him. It, it's a mental thing, too. Like, these guys are human, man. It's just like they're competitive. They want to win. And, like, when you're it, it just constantly losing and losing and the aura and the just the camaraderie, the team is gone. Like, I coach here, and, like, it's the same thing. There's no difference. Yeah. Right? When you're winning, everybody's happy. When you lose, things start, problems start occurring. You know, the morale's down. People just don't want to be there anymore. Even as a coach, you're like, like, I don't feel like going today. Yeah. You know, but when you're winning and things are good, you're like, yeah, let's go. Let's get out there. Let's kick some ass. Right. And you also put up with people's BS if they are winning. Right. Right? Like, if, if, I, if I'm your star wide receiver and you're my head coach, and you know every night I'm up at Excess or at Web Republic, <laughs> Every Saturday, and, and I'm out, I'm hammered. But every Sunday morning, when I'm showing up to the games, I'm giving you eight for 150 and a touchdown. Right. You're not really going to say nothing to me if it's helping us win. Now, if we start losing and I'm giving you two for 17, you're like, yo, bro, we need to, we need to have this conversation. You ever read the book, um, Boys Will Be Boys, about the 94 Cowboys? I haven't, but I've heard many stories about that book and those Cowboys. So there's a to bring up your point, there's one clip where Michael Irvin just comes to practice. He's, like, still bombed, like, right from the night before. He's, like, <laughs> walking on the field, throwing up. Aikman's yelling, screaming at him. And he gets in the huddle, and Aikman is, like, cursing him out. And he's like, what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? Like, we got practice, man. And he just looks at me. He's like, just throw me the fucking ball. Just throw me the ball. <laughs> and, like it, like, it was from Troy's perspective. It was, like, he was still the best player. Yeah. Like, even like that. Like, nobody could guard him. Caught every ball. And then you just, like, you look at him and you're like, all right. Like, he's, this yeah, guy's still like, the best player. Yeah, like, like, you get to yell at him. Yeah. He's got to practice and he's still dominating everybody, like, at 50%. Yeah, it makes you wonder, like, what do you do? Do you, do you discipline him? 
But the whole point of this business too is to be productive. Yeah. And he's, he's productive. This It's always a fine line, man. Those are always interesting conversations. And when you hear some of these stories too of like, you know, John Jones just got booked in the UFC. Yeah. And to me, he's the biggest what if in UFC history sure. because I think he's the GOAT. He's undefeated. He has a loss, but it was a BS. Yes, that's yeah. when like the… Right, that's Matt when, Hamill. Yeah, yeah. And that's when all those videos were going viral of dudes yeah. like breaking like cinder blocks yeah. with the 12-6 the elbow. And this guy has never lost. He's beaten. His resume is outstanding. He just got booked for a heavyweight fight in, in March after three years. But it's like you're looking at it and like, this dude's the biggest what if. Yeah. Well, I still think he wins and I think he goes on a nice run. There's yeah. really no threat to him. Yeah, especially yeah. now with Francis. He's going to wrestle. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna wrestle the guy. Yeah, he could kick. But but yeah. but with the with the like the what if thing, it makes you wonder like, what if this guy was on the straight and narrow? Right, right. I but then but then you're saying to yourself also, yo, is, in a crazy way, is this what makes him so great? Right. You, you just it, it's gonna be an interesting study like years down the road. You know, people are gonna be like researching this stuff and trying to come up with all these theories. It's gonna be fascinating to see, man. And I'm. It's it's a weird conversation. It's just one that just doesn't make sense to me. And I don't know where I am. Like like the running back position. Like, I don't know. If, yo, you're a party animal, but you're giving me 30 a night in the NBA? Oh, it's just it's weird to me. It's like, what do you want? I think it's hard. I mean, first of all, it's the culture. Everything is about culture, in my opinion. So let's we'll talk about the Raiders for it because I have to bring this up. Like, the culture of where these players are, like the Patriots, like the history, like you could just tell, like, the pride of these teams. And then, like, with the Raiders, like, you just dip out your your quarterback. After eight years, this is the face of your franchise and the face of this town. And you just, like, you go like that to the guy. Like, that, that trickles down to other things and other players. Players see that. Yeah. People, some people want to come here. Some people don't. The people, like, that has a lot to do with sports and these professional athletes in my opinion so i don't know like i just think some athletes they really take it seriously they want to win they take pride and then there's other ones that just want to get paid and make money and that's fine too but i think you know you get a group together that really give a crap and they want to win they could go on runs like the that's, warriors you know yeah. teams like that those guys are they got pride man you could tell yeah that's when you have a special group and that's when you go on those runs like the spurs yep right like the 2000 spurs you have Obviously, the Lakers, but they're a little more flashy because it's like L.A., but, and they've had, like, superstars play for them. Where the Spurs, like, yeah, Tim Duncan is definitely a superstar, but he was never anyone's favorite power forward, right? Like, yeah. he was very vanilla. He just got the job done, but he wasn't, he wasn't, like, cool. Mr. Fundamentals right. was his. I always, because I coach, and I always, my kids are really young now, but I always bring up Jeter. Like, in my opinion, Jeter's the, the epitome athlete of the greatest role model ever. Like, Never got in trouble. Just did the right thing. Like, had this big leadership role. Took it on in the toughest market in sports. And, like, like if you want to win, like, you got to be like him a little. You got to be a dick to your teammates. You got to do things a little differently. And so, it's different now. So, it's it's not like that. Yeah, just like the Last Dance documentary. When Right. My favorite moment was when, I think it's like episode seven, dude. I've replayed this so many times. I've posted that clip so many times. He's like, Look, man, if you don't want to play that way, you don't got to play that way. But this is what it takes. Yep. And people are going to see this. They're going to say he's a tyrant. But he's like, yeah, but you never won anything. Right. I wanted to win, but I wanted to bring them with me. And it makes you wonder, like, yo, sometimes that's what it takes. You got to be an asshole in certain situations. The best part about that whole documentary was Rodman. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that yeah. was, like, the best, like, 
dealing with him. There was like the basketball part, and then there was dealing with like the the extrovert guy that like no one knew how to control, and like except yeah. the Bill Jackson was the only guy. Well, so he he's another example of what we're talking about with these guys where. Dude, how many players could just go up to their coach and be like, yo, I need 48 hours in Vegas, man, in the middle of the finals. They're going to be like, what? They're in the middle of the season. like. But Jordan and Phil Jackson were like, hey, man, he, he's going to go out there and get us 20 rebounds and guard, our, guard their best big man. Just let him go. Just let him go. Let him go be crazy. What do you, what do you speaking about coaches, what do you think about? Uh, so Sean Payton is obviously going to be the biggest topic of football. Yeah. And he's like, you could, like, he's the culture guy. Like, there's going to be no BS with anything on that guy's team. Like, he is just buttoned up, ready to go. Where do you think he goes? I've been fantasy booking him going to the Chargers. They had a colossal letdown over the weekend, which is definitely something I want to kind of nitpick a lot because, you know, just punted away 500 bucks on futures from August. But it takes a lot. (laughs) Brandon Staley and Justin Herbert, who I think Justin, look, dude, I'm a big Justin Herbert fan. He's a, he's I've a been, favorite. I've been a Justin Herbert stan, I would even say. But like, yo, you're taking a lot of this blame too, bro. They had seven rushes in the second half. Well, there you go. Right? And they were up. And the amount of times that Herbert snapped the ball <clears throat> with like, 22 yeah. seconds on the play clock. I could bro, go that's not a, that's, bro, that's not a coach issue. That's a you issue. Like, but how is somebody not telling this guy, take, like, you play Madden growing up. How long? Take the play clock down to seven. Yeah, <laughs> run the clock. You're up. Like, right. let's just get out of here. Like, and, and forget someone telling him, like, bro, you're the, you're the quarterback, right? Like, you should, you should know, hey, man, you know what? Let's not snap the ball with 15 <laughs> seconds left. And there were so many times where I was watching that game. And, uh, you know, I was watching it by myself. I'm on my couch. I'm like, yo, what is happening? And I was just tweeting that. Like, yo, what is happening? And what I meant by that was Justin Herbert is snapping the ball. 23 seconds left on the play clock. They're going quick. Like, they're huddling up. They're breaking the huddle. They're not going no huddle. But they're going to the line and they're snapping it right away. It's like, bro, you're up 27 to 7. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? I compare it to, uh, you play flag football. Yeah. In New York, right? Yeah. Like, how competitive and fun it is. Like, when I played on my team, I was the guy who kind of like was the game management guy. Oh. I'm like, we're going to run the ball here, right? It's third and one. We're going to run. If we don't get it, we could, you know, we're not throwing the ball. Do you got to keep the clock moving a little bit? I don't know. I just, I just feel like I know the game, but it's like these coaches, some of them do not know the game management of the clock. Yeah. It's very, it happened in the Minnesota game. Yep. Like I want to know a fact if, which game was that Minnesota when they did that big comeback? Uh, against the Colts. Against the Colts. If if the Colts would have just taken a knee for four, for three downs and punted, would they have won the game? Wow. I want to know that. If that can be calculated. If they would have just taken the knee the rest of that game, I wonder if we could figure that the out. The whole second half, The whole right? second half. Every drive, three knees. Take the play clock all the way down. And then just punt. I, I, I would bet, I would be a confident bet that if they did that in the fourth quarter, it would have worked out for them. Damn. Like, somebody's got to, I mean, you're paying these guys a lot of money. These coaches a lot of money. There's got to be somebody in the staff that can figure that out. So, you're looking at, let's say, 40 seconds for first down. Because they were down over 20-something points with 10 minutes left. You're probably looking at about, like, three and a half minutes that the clock is being chewed up. Yeah, plus the punt. Plus the punt. It was 10 minutes left. They were down 20-something points. (laughs) Yeah, you might might be on this. If you just take the knee, every single snap, and, and... 
like when you run the ball, obviously another five, five, six seconds could come off. They're throwing the ball yeah. <laughs> 20 points. Yeah. And it was, and it was so weird what was happening with the Chargers. And it was pissing me off because I also wanted to see just from a pure, uh, a pure football standpoint, I wanted to see the Chargers and the Chiefs play in, this, in, in the next round. Right. Yeah. I'm financially invested, but that would be the better football game. Okay, and then, yeah. and then the Chargers to just snap the ball so quickly. Yeah, it yeah. was just mind-blowing to me. So, circling back to what you said about Sean Payton, I think if you're looking at the landscape of all the jobs, how is that yeah, not the most yeah, appealing? Yeah. First of all, you're in L.A., right? He works with Fox. He's in L.A. now. He has, I'm pretty sure his daughters go to, like, USC or UCLA. It's somewhere in the Cali region. And you have Justin Herbert. Right, you're getting, uh, right, you're getting, getting an A-plus You're getting start. a quarterback. You want to yeah. go to Denver where you got to deal with Russ? Right. And like, I don't know if you want to do that. I would say… That's the most appealing job. I think you got to give him whatever he wants if you're the Chargers. Like, you could tell Staley and him, there's just a little… I don't know. The Chargers, they're weird. They were a weird team. They got hot a little bit. And they, and they fired the whole coaching staff outside of him. Right. Yeah, he's gone, I think. That has to be the decision, dude. But also, like, the Chargers are historically a cheap franchise. Do they want to just fire Staley and then do what… You know, getting fired as an NFL coach, if you're still on contract, got to be the, like… Best way to get fired ever. Yeah, yeah, you get all your money. Look at <laughs> yo, Cliff. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's like, yo, I'm out in Thailand now. I'm chilling. I don't give a fuck about nothing. I'm gonna make what is it, seven million dollars a year now for the next four years. But the thing is, like, the thing that bothers me about like these professional sports teams is like, there's no patience. Like, if things don't go right one year, you don't just implode the whole team and start over and keep doing it. Like the Colonels keep doing it. They just keep imploding and doing and starting over. The Jets have done it. Like, it's just like you have to, like, the Texans do it. Like, you have to give some time. You got to give some time to these guys to develop. They're 21, 22, 23 years old. And the coach is new. And it takes time to develop. But you also want to see results, though, too. I, I understand. But you can't just, like, implode it. You know, like, the Cardinals imploded themselves midway through the year. Done. All right, we're firing it. We're going to start over. Like, you had a, a, a good team last year. Yeah. DeAndre got suspended. Like, that sucked. That was unlucky. And then Murray got hurt. But, like, up, oh, start over. Yeah, I think they're an example, though, of an organization that kind of wanted to do that anyway. But they, know, got, but they got forced into it. I know, but it's like, it, I don't know. I, I, I just don't agree with… I mean, bro, we're New Yorkers. We're, we're not patient with anything. No. No, I know. Like, they want… You're a first-time coach? Like, you got to get us playoffs. Like, you know, like they want to see, they want to see progression. And yeah, there are certain, like, this is a win season for the Giants. Like the Giants oh, were. Oh, yeah. My past expectation. My main goal with the Giants coming into this year was to see if Daniel Jones could be the franchise quarterback with Brian Dable. Because everyone was making the comparison of like, yo, if you really look at the numbers between Josh Allen and Daniel Jones, the, their first two seasons, and then he gets Stephon Diggs, which… I feel like every young quarterback, for you to properly evaluate them, you need to have a real weapon right. on the outside, right? Like, it didn't work out, but I loved what the Bears did trying to get Claypool with Justin Fields. Yeah. It's like, yo, give him a chance to right. not throw to these practice squad guys to evaluate what Justin Fields is. And with Daniel Jones and, and Brian Dable, it's been such a dope pairing. And I think the Giants are going to give him $40 million a year. I think what he did in that last playoff game kind of solidified it. The, the teammates love him. All the guys play for him. You even ask the defensive players. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, that's not, that, that's our quarterback. Like, that's. I respect Daniel Jones a lot because he, like, got 
eaten up, chewed out, spit out by the media so bad in New York. And all the time. Right? So let's, let's, <laughs> let's like give listeners what it's like to be like a player uh, in New York. How brutal it is for them. It, Yet, it, if you win, you get like a pat on the butt. Like, good job. You were supposed to do that. If you lose and mess up and they're not good right away, you get creamed. And yo, even if you win and then start losing, yeah. It's, it's like shortest yo, memory what? of all time. They eat people, and uh, that that little message came out of Zach Wilson's mom. Like it's toxic. I yeah. agree with her. Oh yeah. If I if my son okay was a good enough to play, and we'll just use the Jets and Giants it, like an NFL quarterback, and they're like, oh, you know, we're gonna go look at the Jets or the Giants. I would cancel the meeting for him. <laughs> I would pull Eli Manning. That nope, you are not going anywhere near that city. Like compared to Vegas, like the media here is just so different. It's like, like the players, you can tell, like when they talk to the media, they like kind of like them a little bit. They enjoy it. In New York, it's just like they're stabbing these guys in the chest. I mean, yeah, you even see it with headlines too. Oh, it's brutal. Like how I would never play in New York if I was a professional athlete. I would run. I would take less money to get out of that. It's just so cancerous. You know, it's like the toxic of, yeah, you got to deal with it. And then you got to deal with the media on top of it. It's brutal. Yeah, there's a big spotlight for sure. You always see these athletes that sign these big contracts. They come to New York. And then after when they get traded or when their contract is up and they're no longer there, they just come out slandering everything. Yeah, because but it makes point, sense, it's though, not too. right to them. Also, like Zach Wilson, like he's young, right? It's his second year. Like he he needs time. Like, and you just like sh absolutely crucifying this guy. He really like doesn't have a ton of weapons. He's got some good players, but nothing... Nothing top 10. Yeah. Right? And you're absolutely murdering this dude. And like his confidence level, you could just say it, it's like tanking. Like you got to give this guy some time. Like groom him a little bit. I understand he's not the guy and he probably won't be. But like he's just another example. Like they just murdered him. You know who I think fucked it all up for all these young quarterbacks? Andrew Luck. Yeah, that's a good point. Prior to Andrew Luck, if you were a first round pick, it was like the Aaron Well, Aaron Rodgers is an ultra extreme, right? Like he sat for three years. But it was like, yo, you're not going to start right away. Well, you know, we're, we're three and nine. Let's throw you in there. Get some reps. You get some real life reps, live reps. You're playing a regular season game that matters. It's not preseason. Andrew Luck comes in first year, 11 and five playoffs. It's yeah. like, yo, every first round well, pick. Well, he's a specimen and like. But also that draft class too. Like Russell Wilson playoffs. RG3 before he got hurt. Andrew Luck. Ryan Tannehill was pretty solid for, for Miami also. And you're looking at it like, yo, you got to play right away, bro. If you're taking in the first round and you're not playing, you looked at it like, what right. the hell's wrong with you? Uh, Why aren't I, you playing? Yeah, I, I, I see your point. I agree with it. I, I really loved Trevor Lawrence, like, in college. I yeah. just, I loved watching. There's some players you just, like, gravitate to. I was like, this guy's so good. Does the right thing. He's just so, he's athletic. He's big. He's strong. And then you look at somebody like him. Like, I was happy for him this weekend. I'm like, this guy had the worst season last year. It wasn't yeah. his fault. And now, he's, you can tell he's a natural-born leader and just took the team on that comeback all by, like, all by himself. Just like, let's go. And that was just so cool to see. I, he's, like, one of my favorites that I root for. Could have been a Jet. Could have been a Jet. That's what I'm saying. Had he screwed they, up, man? They, they wanted to beat the Rams in that meaningless, like, week 17 game. I send Trevor Lawrence pictures to my buddies, all my Jet fans all the time. <laughs> they just laugh. They, there's no comeback. Yeah, you're just you know, like they're me just with like, that. We're just so dumb. You're just like me with that. Dude, what do you think of 
talking about quarterbacks and staying on this team. He was a former first round quarterback. I think Lamar Jackson's done in oh yeah he's done in Baltimore. And I've been talking about this from the beginning of the year, and then the last couple of weeks I've kind of been fantasy booking him going to the Jets actually because I think the Jets have the best roster of any team that needs a quarterback right now. And I'm thinking about Lamar going there. And I just think the way this entire scenario has been handled in Baltimore has been a red flag from the beginning. The fact that he didn't get paid and he's been more successful than all of his peers that he's grouped with, with the exception of Mahomes. Well, I think Mahomes is this generation's like, he's the goat. He's the guy, yeah. Yeah, he's the guy, right? So, sorry, we're excluding him from the combo. But he's, prior to this season, he's more accomplished than Josh Allen. He's won an MVP. Every year he plays 16 games, he goes to the playoffs. My audience is like, bro, you've been telling us this all the time. But it's important to really drive this point home that it was completely mishandled in Baltimore. Yeah, it was. And for him not to even… When I got the report on Twitter, when I saw on Twitter that he didn't even travel with the team, I was like, oh, he is out. Yeah, he's done. My opinion of this, I think there's something missing with his game that the Ravens just were like, yeah, you know. You could just tell. Like, they didn't want to pay him. How do you not pay the guy? You're paying everybody else. Yeah. There, there's something missing that they don't like. I don't know what it is. You watch it. Have you watched him play live? I haven't, no. Okay, so last year, uh, the Raven, the Ravens, uh, oh, Raiders the Monday game, night game. Right? Wow, you were at he, that? I was at that game. Dude, I have really good seats. That was a banger. I have low seats. Okay, for, fourth row. I'm watching this guy. He is the most athletic human on this earth. Like, the cuts this guy can do. Like, the ball is out, and he is, like, gone. Like, it's insane how fast he is live. It, TV d- doesn't do justice. But I just think there's something missing with him and the Ravens that, I don't know. But I think it's silly to get rid of that guy. I mean, and now you pissed him off. You pissed him off and it's going to cost you a shit ton of money. It's going to cost you a lot more than it would have, I think. And and it should. Like, Kyler Murray got paid. Deshaun Watson got paid, bro. In your own division. <laughs> He got paid, and Lamar's saying to us, I was like, yo, bro, come on. You're not going to pay me with all the crazy shit going on with him. Kyler Murray's injury history. Kyler Murray never played a full season mm-hmm. in the NFL. And even when he does play, it's like, oh, yo, he took that hit against the Patriots week 11, and they're not. Now he's running it two times a game. Before it was 11 times a game. It's like, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm the best player that you've had, and, and I only get hurt when you make me not do what I'm right. great at. I mean, they had they had a lot of injuries this year too. Yeah, the Ravens and which is weird because back to back years they've had a ton of injuries. Like last year, they had the season from hell. Every year, there's a team that just gets completely torched by injuries. They had the most guys miss games of any starter on their depth chart from week one last year. And then you're looking at this game that they played against the Bengals, who also I'm pretty concerned about because their offensive line is in shambles right now, and their offensive line was playing really really well from about Halloween on. Because remember, they had all new starters on that O-line compared to what they had last year. They did the Kansas City approach where it was like, yo, bro, in the playoffs, we saw what happened to us in the Super Bowl. Let's go and let's help our young guy. And then you see all these injuries for for Cincinnati. That's concerning. But on the flip side, they're playing Buffalo this week. Who I've felt very hesitant to crown the Bills as the team to beat because... There's something about them, man. They can't run the ball when they need to. And they are overly reliant on Josh Allen. Oh, yeah. And I know a lot of teams can say that about their quarterback. But, yo, when you watch, like, if he's not on-on, 
they can't move the ball. And then it works against Miami when it's Skylar Thompson, who let's give him his flowers. He played well for, for the predicament he was in. But you can't be turning the ball over and, no. and against a guy like Burrow, who you know is going to come back and Joby, answer. Joby's an assassin, man. He's an assassin. That guy's insane. Like, he, he, he's confident. But I, what I took away from the Bills game, their defense is, is very weak in the secondary. Like, this guy is on Miami shredding you apart. And you're like, oh. I bet the Bills. I'm like, this is <laughs> this is scary. Like, I, I don't know. But I want to go back to Lamar Jackson for a second. I think he is going to start a trend with athletes in the NFL and maybe some other sports where they're still representing themselves. He doesn't have an agent. Yeah. He does it all on his own. Him and I think it is buddy. So I think we're going to... That obviously factors into it. I think it's not talked about enough because when you have somebody in your ear, a professional, who's done this a long time, Drew Rosenhaus, he's like, dude, you're signing this deal. And then you don't have that in your ear and you're just kind of floating around doing your own thing. I think that has a factor into it. Because sometimes the agent is like the mediator. Like, hey, look, Lamar's upset right now. Like, you guys got to fix it. There's no mediator. Like he's, There's no communication. There's no communication between, because yeah. he's the only guy. He doesn't have an agent. He's doing it all himself. So I, that definitely has something to do with it. Yeah, for sure. If you don't have someone to help you navigate through these contract talks or even just to bring it up, just to spark up the conversation. Well, that's what agents do. They're they're Sometimes they're just like the babysitter of like, hey, he's upset right now. Like he needs this, this, this to fix it. And then the GM will fix it, make him happy. You have to make your starting quarterback happy. Yeah. If you don't, and like the Kyler Murray situation, like the guy's pissed off all year. You could just see it. Like it's a disaster. Tom Brady, not happy. Disaster. You have to make this guy happy or it's not going to work. This is the first time since 1997, three teams from the same division have made the divisional round. Cowboys, Eagles, and the Giants. I want to look briefly ahead but I want to ask you your thoughts on I feel like the NFL is obsessed with the Chiefs and the Bills playing each other especially with them moving this game to Atlanta yeah which of the two are you more concerned about this weekend so I'll I'll tell you what I did yesterday I think all the favorites win this weekend so I bet a 14 parlay with the four favorites okay it was two and two and a quarter to one Money line. Money line. Okay. Yep, money line. And then I'm a huge live better. So then if if it gets to the last one, and then maybe I get the Cowboys plus 250, 300 in game to hedge it a little bit. But I, I think you're right that I think all those, I think the Chiefs cruise, they win. I do think the Bills pull it out. I think at home, the, the, you just mentioned the Bengals are a little banged up. And the Giants, I hope the Giants win. I really do. I hope the Giants beat the Eagles because it helps the Cowboys, in my opinion, and my 49ers uh, future. And then the Cowboys I like the came. Backhand. I like the back- backhanded compliment there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean. You're right, though. You're right, though. The Eagles are good. And, and Listen, anyone, anyone thinking otherwise, I think would be lying. Like, right. the, the only reason why we're even entertaining this conversation, I think, is because I am a Giants fan. Like, you would much rather play the Giants. 100%. Even if it's the I mean, division. Eagles, it's, a tough, it's just a people who have never been to that. I've been to Cowboy Eagles games at the vet, you know, growing up. I, it's dangerous. 
Yeah. Like you are not walking in that stadium with a cowboy. I wouldn't. Yeah. I don't care how many people I'm with. It's just asking for trouble. Like you are not going in that stadium confidently with a, a Cowboys jersey or a Giants jersey in that in that stadium. Dude, it's what, just crazy. What what's hilarious is I think that's just Philadelphia as a whole. It is. Because growing up, growing up, I was a huge ECW wrestling fan. <laughs> so I was eight years old. This is 1999. Yeah, 99. And one of my, I called him my cousin, but he was like a close family friend that was older. He was like 22. That's a New York thing, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, family friend. He's my my cousin. Yeah, right. Cousins, uncles. So he was going to take me to ECW pay-per-view. Okay. And my mom walks into my room as I'm watching ECW, and she sees this dude get a staple gun to the head. The other guy gets hit over the head with uh, like a lead pipe. The other guy is just getting pal-driven, skull first onto the concrete. The crowd is chanting, fuck you. Fuck. She's like, you want to go to that? Oh, you're not going there. Right. No, it's, it's, there. it's dangerous. <laughs> Philly's, Philly's yeah. out of control. And my mom never let me go to uh, Eagles road game. There were many times I wanted to go watch the Giants in Philly. She's like, no, nah, I'm not going to let you That's go. That's a good parent right there. I, like, I wouldn't even go. She's like, I'm not worried about you. She's like, I'm worried about the four or five idiots that are going to be next yep. to you that are going to pour a beer over you and do all that dumb shit. To trigger you to initiate. And he's like, then it's all all hell breaks. I think it's funny. They compare the Raider fans to the Eagles fans. I'm like, it's not even close to as crazy. Like, these guys are animals in Philly. They just do not care. But I don't know. We'll see. I think the Eagles, it's it's not going to be easy. You know, the G-Men are ready to go. And then the 49ers-Cowboys game, it's going to be a war. Yeah, it's, it's funny that you mentioned earlier in the episode about you're worried about the coaching matchup between McCarthy and Shanahan? It's not talked about enough. Like, even the analysts, like, who's the better coach? Yeah. Like, experience, right? That you can just tell Shanahan's dialed in right now. And I think, I think I'm very optimistic. I started to get worried last week, bro, when I was too confident that we were going to beat Minnesota. I'm looking at it, I'm like, man, I feel, I feel really good. The, the Giants Twitter put out a tweet of their injury report, and it was just dot, 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 with a wink face. Like, there was no one on the injury report. You guys report. are healthy. It's the healthiest they've been all year, and we had just played them a couple weeks ago, and we kind of, like, the advanced analytics, They it was one of those games where the Giants should have won it, then they hit the 61-yard field goal. But I'm looking at it, and I'm saying to myself, dude, I feel like we have a coaching advantage over every coaching staff. I was thinking in the whole NFC, and then my boy Allen shouts to him, he does this show with me every week. He's like, nah, bro, come on. Like, D'Amico Ryans and Kyle Shanahan. I was like, all right, I'll defer to them. But every other matchup, I think Brian Dable and and uh, and Martindale are going to just have everybody ready and, yeah. like, locked in. And they're playing well, too, man. Like, we can't. No, he's playing great. I, and uh, not to bash on Kirk Cousins so much because everyone does it. But, like, he didn't. He played awful. Yeah. He played so bad. Maybe the Giants made him look that bad. But it's just, like, he always does this, like. He just does like stuff like it's fourth and eight. You got to throw the ball with the game and like throw the ball past the first down marker. Dude, I have such an issue with that just in general of like we have a running joke, my friends and I, when when someone bets teasers or when they do like those uh, alternate spreads, mm-hmm. like the Cowboys are catching plus three. If they go, yo, uh, I'm going to go plus plus eight and a half, like kind of like a yeah. teaser. We call them like like two condom bets. And there's certain quarterbacks that play like, we call it two and three condom football, where it's like, 
it's fourth and eight. They won't make a throw into danger to give their guy a chance because they don't want to throw interceptions, right? Like Aaron Rodgers is like very conservative with that sometimes. And like Eli Manning, the tail end of his career, it's It's third and eight. It's a check down. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Throw it to the sticks. Let's try to get a first down. Keep the ball moving. What is that going to do for me? A check down. I know. It's it's definitely, you could see it. A lot happened with these, like the coaches, they're just conservative. But like Staley last year, he was going for it every fourth down. Yeah. Like it was like fourth and 10 and he's going for it inside their own 40. I'm like, this guy is nuts. Yeah, some of them were crazy because it'd be like fourth and 11 on your 33. You're like, all right, bro, maybe right. we, maybe we should punt it there. But I'm for it, man. If you're in that, that uh, what do they call it? No man's land where it's like it's too close to punt, but it's too far to kick. And you have an elite quarterback. You have an offense that's humming. Like, why not go for it, dude? You know, that's why I also loved, I loved that play that the Giants, the Giants in one of their drives, it was a fourth and like two play like around midfield, and I tweeted out, yo, regardless of what happens, I love it. It's like, yo, go, go, go and try to win that. And I think he also set the tone, Brian Dable, if you go back to when they played Tennessee week one, talking about culture. Yep, yep. what they do? They tie the game there on the last drive, and they're like, yo, we're going for two. We ain't kicking. If I was an NFL coach, I know this for a fact, I would have the most field goals attempted in the league. I would take the three a lot. A lot, a lot. Like, even on the fourth and eights. And, and like, I would kick the field goal, get the points. It's a momentum. It's a small momentum. And I would always try to bury them inside the 10-yard line with punting. Because if you… There's just so many times where it's just too big of a risk. Where you're just really going for it. And, like, you just… You can just tell, like, if you don't get this, the game is over. Instead of, like, like stopping the momentum a little bit. Stopping them bleeding. And just push it down. Like yesterday, the Cowboys, where they uh, they went for it, I, I didn't like it. Like at, uh, where he uh, rolled out, where Dak rolled out and scored, I, I would have taken the three. I know the kick was a little shaky, but I, I would have still kicked it. Just to make sure that you, like, you did all that work. Let's get something for it. So I don't know. I don't, I don't think I agree. I think, obviously, uh, situational, it matters. Mm-hmm. But I think if… I'll kick the field goal if it pushes it possessions. So, like, if I'm up… If I'm up six, or if I somehow, yeah, I'm up six, like, you know what, man? I'm going to kick a field goal here because now you need to have the ball twice. If I'm up five, probably not kicking a field goal because, like, what's the field goal going to do? A touchdown and a two-point conversion, you still could tie the game. I'm kicking it, If you're up three, I don't know if I'm kicking it. I'm kicking it. I think I'm forcing you to get two possessions. I'm kicking it, man. I'm kicking it. I'm kicking it. Even with Maher yesterday? No, Four straight? Uh, that was… That, I felt you were so, loving it because you were on the rather, under. I know. I, I felt so bad for that guy. He was so good all year, yeah. right? And you're like, God, this poor dude. But dude, that's how it changes for kickers too. I know. It's a very big mental battle for it, them. And, and it's… You know, you could go… Wasn't it uh, Vanderjack way back in the day? It was like 40 of 40 in the regular season. And then he missed down. it in the in the playoffs. And uh, O'Brien on the Jets has had his issues too. The, I mean, the Chargers, Nate Kading, all these guys. It just… That's why Justin Tucker, Justin Tucker, when it's money time, he yeah. hits some uh, Evan McPherson. My, my theory on this is don't don't need the kicker. Make it so you don't need him. You have to play that way. I'm the same way when people bitch and moan about calls. I'm like, yo, don't have it come down to one right. call. Yeah. Like take 100%. care of your business. Yeah. This I never way we don't need to that. I complain about other stuff. But when I'm gambling, when I bet a game, 
I just know, like uh, my brother said, he's like, stop telling them to punt. I'm like, punt, punt it, dr- keep them deep. Like, it's just the safer, I'm just the safer, I don't know. Even when I coach, I, I always try to do the safer route. I'm not like an over gambler type of person with, with the sports. I think, I, I think I'm more situational than anything. Like, I think for me, it all, it all depends on what the scenario is, what's on the line. I think that takes into account what my decisions are going to be. And, and that's kind of how, like, I live my life just in general, too. Like, you might, I hate when people say, oh, I would have done this. It's like, until you're in that situation, right. bro, you don't really know how you're really going to react to something. But also with coaching in the NFL, you're the head coach. You make the decision. And then the tough part for me would be letting somebody else pick the play or pick the decision that has something to do with it too. For example, Kyle Shanahan calls the plays. He makes the decision. Mike McCarthy, he, he's the head coach, but Kellen Moore is calling the plays. So there's a trust thing here versus doing it yourself. See the difference? I think that has a big factor in it. And it's an ego thing. Shanahan's like, nobody's stopping me. This is my place. I, I drew the, I drew these up. Nobody's stopping me. Yeah. Versus like you're handing it off to somebody like, eh, Dude, I don't, don't know. Don't you feel like Shanahan's aged like four times the oh, speed? Yeah, yeah he's… <laughs> I, I root for that guy. That guy, first of all, I felt bad he lost the Super Bowl, but I I don't know. I like him. I like his Yo, style. so he was… You know how before I was talking about Herbert snapping the ball with 15, 16 Another seconds one. on the play? Matt Ryan. No. Like, yo, I get it blaming the coach. I totally get it, right? Because he's always a scapegoat, especially when you have a franchise guy. But like, dude, the flag football analogy before. When I play quarterback with my guys on Sundays, we're up. It's like you have the referees telling you 10 Mississippi. Yeah, yeah. All right, five seconds left. It's like, yo, we're snapping this on one. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, we're snapping it on one. Whatever happens. I'm a little bit more aggressive sometimes. Like, I go for the kill a lot. It's it's high risk, high reward. But I think everything is, is, is situational based. And until you're in that position, you're not going to really know. And… Going back to Brian Dable and the culture thing, because I, I like what you said about that, and it's so true. There was a part in that game where they had a 19-play drive, and it ended in a field goal. I thought they were going to lose the game there. I was like, yo, it's just a bad omen. I felt that twice against the Vikings. That drive where Minnesota is on the field for 11 minutes, 19-play drive, and then you settle for a field goal. Again, situationally, you're Minnesota, you're like, we're exhausted, but we kept them to three. And then when Darius Slayton is wide open to end the game, third and 15, just like, yo, might even be able to house it. I, I felt just, bad for that guy. Bro, I just dropped to my knees <laughs> at the bar, and I was just like… Oh, like you oh can feel it God. happening, right? I just felt… I was like, yo, I've seen this so many times before. Right. And then I'm thinking, yo, if you're Minnesota… Right, it's a momentum. It's moment. Why not go for two if you score? Right. Now your defense stepped up, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about this weekend. I mean, I, I think Mahomes is just going to come out and just be like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm killing everybody. He tends to do that when the conversation shifts away from him, right? Yeah, like yeah. the talking points now are Dak Prescott, Daniel Jones, Joe Burrow. Mahomes could come out and just toss five touchdowns and be like, yeah, I must have forgot. Right. I got to meet Mahomes. Okay. I don't think people realize how big this guy is. He is an absolute... Monster. <laughs> I was looking up at him. I was like, oh my God. Like, how does this guy move? And then he was with Kelsey. I'm like, oh my God. Like, these guys are 
triple the size of me. And they are moving like ballerinas. Yeah. It's like unbelievable. Like you forget how big these guys are and they're moving around and, and just, it's like they're playing at recess. Like they're just going around just having fun. I'm so hyped that I live in Vegas now because they play the Raiders every year. And I want to go. He's my number one guy, I think, in the NFL. I want to go see live. He's, I, I just got to see, I got to meet him. He was just so cool. One of the coolest guys I ever met. And it, it's funny because it kind of translates to how he plays too. Yeah. Like he's fun. Yeah. There's some athletes that you can, like, you just don't want to talk to. He was, I was like blown away how, uh, how nice he was. But by the way, how cool is living in Las Vegas? Let's talk about that. I Were you nervous to come out here? No. No. no I nervous. think because I came out here so many times. So you came out by yourself? Yeah. Okay. Same. Yeah. Well, my, same. my mom came with me that weekend to help me like move. Because, yeah, yeah. dude, I can't pick like what matches. Right, right, like right. interior designing. I would have had like a green couch, a red. Like it would have been a nightmare. So she came with me, gave me a hand. But I was excited, bro. I was excited. And it's been interesting. I think because I've been out here so many times. Granted, it was always on the strip and being an asshole with your friends. Like, when you come out here and shit, hammered 24-7 and gambling and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I knew that wasn't going to be what my life was going to be. But to me, I was… I started networking and meeting a lot of people it's out here, best, too. Dude. And uh, even even Chris, bro, like, he would, he would send me uh, Instagram videos. He's like, yo, bro, I heard it's 19 degrees in New York. He's like, it's 87 here, man. What are you doing? And he would tell me from day one. He's like, yo, your vibe and your energy and how you are, you, you got to move out here. You got to move out it's here. It's the best networking city in the world, in my opinion. You can go to this bar right here and order a beer and Marc Messier just walks up right next to you and you're looking you're like, oh my God, it's Marc Messier. Like, like that happens all the time. Yeah. All the time. You're just running into athletes and it's Vegas. Everybody's in a great mood. Right. But I love the city. I don't think I'll ever leave. But I think I'm up to like 12 people I've moved here. Friends from other places convinced them to, to come and move here. Dude, I'm, I'm talking to my friends now the way Chris was talking to me all these years. It's like, bro, you got, it's just, it's just. Because where we're man. from, it's not, it's not growing anymore in New York. No. It, it's like the same merry-go-round over and over. It's expensive. It's cold. There's no growth. Like a lot of my friends are blue-collar jobs. They're going to do the same, same job. So they're 55 years old, retire, call it a day. There's no like, hey, an opportunity comes along. Like, look at you with this, with me, with real estate. I mean, I meet so many cool people in this town, dude. It's amazing. You're going to really love it. Like once you settle in and just like this is home, home, you're going to freaking love it. Yeah, man. That's how I felt from the beginning. It just, it felt perfect. Obviously having, having the access to the studio and working with everyone here has been really dope. Like, I, I was familiar with a lot of the equipment, but they all kind of, like, held my hand and told me everything. And now I can, you know, they make jokes about it. They're like, oh, we could have Nick run things and, like, it's not going to burn down, you know? Like, I'm able to, <laughs> to function and, and run everything. And that was kind of, like, again, the New York hustler thing about, like, our mentality too, man. Like, I really, I try to figure things out. I try to get shit done. I live by those three words. And I want it to become undeniable. Like, I didn't want to just be on camera. I wanted to learn behind it. And yeah. dude, dare I say, I don't know how many people do both. Well, I know what's going to happen with, with you because this is incredible. Someone's going to see this dude and offer you a, an opportunity, right? So, I mean, that's... <laughs> that, that's Send it. That's what happened with me. I was just given opportunities. Here's an opportunity, right? Here's an opportunity to get... I was a teacher. I got an opportunity to do real estate and I just ran with it. 
here's an opportunity to do this. And like, just like the opportunities, they never stop in the city, in my opinion. It, yeah. it's, it's tough to decipher. I always say this line, everyone that's from Las Vegas that lives in Las Vegas is full of shit. Because it's very scammy. You could tell a lot of people are just not true, you know, hard-nosed New Yorkers like, yeah. like we are. But if you could kind of bypass that and see through people, you'll, you're going to crush it here, bro. It's so much fun. Yeah, you're right about the networking, man. People are always coming in. People are always in good moods. Like, even trying to schedule people, like, after football season where things kind of open up a little bit more and I'm a little bit more flexible in my time. It's like, yeah, man, I'm down. I'm down to do this. Bro, do this that. is the best place because you could, you know, you got whoever at, at the, the Tower Suites, yo, hop down for a ha- for an hour. Yeah. Let's talk some shot. Let's talk some sports. And then let's hit the, let's hit the crafts table. Like, how, how amazing is that? Yeah, man. That, this is the best place to do it because… You know, when I invite people to my office and I'm like, oh, I got to go to Henderson. We're staying on the strip. That's the biggest hurdle. You're going to do great with this. I'm hoping, man. I'm hoping to continue and, and to network. And I'm trying to take advantage of every opportunity. And just being, just being like, it's going to sound so cliche, but just being nice. Oh, and yeah. like being yourself too. Uh, there's no, there's no faking the funk with me. And it's very just like kind of what you see is what you get. And I think it's also more relatable too. I've had these conversations where it's like, People say I'm very relatable as opposed to some others. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, the more people you know, the further you're going to make it. And my best analogy for Vegas is everyone's in a good mood here. There's not one bad, there's not any person in this city that's in a bad mood. Like they're here on vacation. And when you go on vacation, you get in a good mood. So when you're like, we're not on vacation, we live here. And when we network with people, it's just like, they're just fired up. Like they're in a good mood. They're inviting you to stuff. I'll tell you a funny story. I went to um, Catch, and I'm, I'm having a drink. My brother and Jim Edmonds is sitting right next to me. And I'm looking at him. I'm like, I'm like, Jim, what's up? And he's like, yeah, what's going on? You know, what are you? I'm like, we're coming from the fight. But we're just talking. And he's like, uh, he's like, do you know me from the show? I'm like, come on. You, don't embarrass me like that. Because he was <laughs> on the Housewives show. I'll, I'm like, I'll be honest with you. My wife hates you. And he started dying. He bought his drinks. By the end of the night, this guy's invited me to Mexico. He's like, come, boys trip. Let's go. You know, bring your friend. Bring your brother. And it's just like, it's so funny. Like, you, you know, we chat on Instagram a little bit. But like, that's what it's like in the city. Like, you could just go run into the biggest, baddest balls and athletes, and they're just fun. And now with the Raiders here, it just… Because when I moved here, there was no sports. Now it's like a whole sports yeah. thing. It's awesome. And dude, like, back, back home in New York… And I don't think I'd be as sharp and as, like, confident if I didn't grow up in New York. Like, I don't want to shit on New York, but I don't think I'd ever live there oh, again. No, no. no. I, th- I think, I mean, sports out here is amazing. The times. Just, like, just think. Where, where did you grow up? Queens. Queens. Okay. How long would it take you to go from your house to, like, the Giant game? Take me about an hour, I an, would say. An hour. Maybe an hour and a half for traffic. Yeah. Okay. It takes me six minutes from my house. I'm in it to the Raider game, to the Golden Knights game. Like, little things like that. No traffic, weather. Like, it adds up. Ta- low taxes. Low, bro, yeah. <laughs> low tax. that, was, that was the biggest thing. Like, back in New York two years ago, it was the first time where, like, I actually like, I actually made some money. And uh, my accountant was like, oh, you made some money this year. Nice. <laughs> Hit me over the head with it. I was like, where'd it go? Like, what is happening? Right, so, you realize there. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. And as you get older, I think that was the thing that, that changed the most with me. And also, dude, like, yo, I don't, I don't have a girlfriend, not married, no kids. Like, why not now? Why not take that risk? And I kept telling, because the last three times I came to Vegas prior to moving, 
it was more so for like networking. Yeah, I had my fun, but it wasn't like even when I came back in March was when I really think things started to change for me. I came because there was a UFC event. Love the UFC. I try to go right, to as right. many fights. I'm a diehard UFC. Yeah, it's the best, man. And I try to go to as many fights. And, and when I came here with a buddy of mine, I was like, yo, look, dude, there's, you know, we're going to this event Friday night. Saturday, we got to be up early. We got to go to get the tickets. And then we got to go and meet some people. Like, you know, we're, we're probably not going to drink until we're at T-Mobile, right. just so you know. And then Sunday, we recorded a couple of episodes of the podcast. I had Chris on that weekend as well. And then Monday, I did uh, a show that used to be recorded here, this this betting show. And then, bam, I was on the flight back home. But then having conversations with everyone, they'd be like, dude, we got to get you out here. We got to get you out here. And I'll be like, bro, just send me send me some paperwork and let's, I'm ready. It's I'm funny because I… The craziest thing is, and I don't know how many people know this, but, dude, August 16th, I had no intentions of, like, moving out. Like, I had intent, like, I wanted to. You, you jumped but, in the pool. But I didn't, I didn't know. It wasn't, like, finalized until, like, oh. August 16th. And then… Bam, bam, bam. I made uh, I made Aljamain Sterling move. I, I I was I won't I won't say I made him, but I like I was like you got to move here, and and like I was just showing him. I was like really selling him on it. I'm like, look, you could get a sick house, pool, all this stuff for this much. He was like, wow, this is really cheap to live here. I'm like, yeah, man, come on, it's freaking awesome. And so he he when he got out here, the opportunities um really expanded for like the business side when he became the champ and like. The meetings that we get to go and sit on, it's, it's just really cool. But yeah, I mean, like, he's just an example of like, you know, you're stuck in that New York bubble. And then they opened up the PI. Now these fighters are coming. Yeah. I'm helping them, trying to, like, showing them, like, look, this is really cool. You could move here. It's cheap. Train. Have you been to the PI yet? No, I haven't. Oh, dude. Insane. Yeah. The Apex? Have you been? No, I haven't uh, either. Watching the fight at the Apex is the coolest thing. It is quiet. You can hear everything and you're this far away. Yeah. You are this far away. Dana White's right here. And you're just hanging out. And you're like, and the best part about it is there's a bar in the back. So it's like you watch the fight. There's 12 fights. So you're there all day. You watch a fight. Everyone runs in the back because there's a 15 minute break, gets absolutely hammered, comes back, watches the fight. And you're just doing it 12 times. And then by the end of the fight, it's like a marathon. You're like, holy crap. Like, I'm out of gas, but it's really cool. No, nah, it's it's an event, man. It's an event. My favorite event to go to as we start to wind down on this one. I could talk to you for hours. Right, right. I'm sure I'll have you back on again, too. Appreciate it. But it's my favorite event in person, dude. I feel like I'm a spokesman for the UFC. Like, if I, if I ever meet Dana, I'm going to be like, yo, look, man. Good amount of people listen to this show. Like, I tell everyone the same thing. Like, you got to go to a UFC event. It's it's the best in I, person. I'll sneak in this funny story with Dana White. So, I worked for CompuBox and CompuStrike for years. when I was 18, 19. All the way up to I was like 25, 26. So we did the stats for the fights. And when Dana White and Lorenzo bought Strike Force, I, I sit ringside and they sit, they sat right next to me that that event. And I went up to Dana, I introduced myself, and I was like, I'm thinking about moving to Las Vegas. I was 21. And he's like, dude, do it. It's the best place to live. And I was like, Yeah, I'm scared. I don't have any friends. He's like, dude. I'm telling you, don't be a little, you know what? He's like, just do it. I swear to God, man, that had like some, some, like a little, oh, I was like, this is like, I knew the UFC was there. I was obsessed with fighting. And it's been pretty cool. I've been able to do some good business with them. It's the best, man. It's the best. Shouts to Vegas. Shout out to Vegas. Shouts to everyone in there, too. Hold Where do you live now? Down. I'm close by the Apex, actually. Okay. You're like, southwest? Yeah. Good. Like, very close. I, 
a lot of people, when they ask me, I'm just like, ah, I'm, I'm, by, I'm by the UFC. They're like, oh, okay, I know where you're at. Yeah. <laughs> Southwest, yep. Um, dude, this was fun, bro. This was fun. I love these kind of conversations where they kind of flow. I like to call them controlled chaos because I always try to bring it back to a point and, and connect the dots. But this was fun. I appreciate you coming dude, on. I really, best of luck, first of all, with your show. I will be heavily promoting it for you. This Go. is definitely the coolest, one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. Um, I think you're going to do awesome. Where can they find you on social media? At Jay Griggs Real Estate. Big real estate guy here in Las Vegas. Been helping a lot of, a lot of people move here. Professional athletes now. Trying to help them out. I think soon will be a very good time to buy some good real estate in this town. Things are kind of settling in. Last year, last two years were like too crazy. Yeah, It was just like a mad rush to this town. So, uh, yeah, you can find me on IG. I'm heavily on there a lot. And uh, that's it. Oh, man, you keep looking at me having two phones. I want to just mention I'm not one of those guys. <laughs> um, quick story. Uh, this phone was an upgrade, but it's 64 gigabytes. Okay. So I live between 63.5 gigabytes and 64. The amount of times I go to take a picture and it's like, oh, you got to go and delete shit. And then this is my old phone, which has... 512 gigabytes. So it's basically my camera and my notes on my show and all, all that other shit. Well, you so. need the camera because the pictures in Vegas are the best. Yeah. You can get some good ones. You need you need the two phones. At Nick Day is 10 as you can find me. Shouts to Jason for coming on. We'll be back later this week with another episode actually previewing the divisional matchups. And Kenny Bets Big is going to be on again with the Monday winners. But we're doing it on Thursday because of scheduling. So follow us, check us out, tag us if you're listening to the show, and we will catch you guys next time on Veterans. Got it. Got it.